Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Are you a lifelong fan of General Hospital? Are you a new fan who wants to know more about the history of the show? Do you enjoy talking about the show with others? Do you find yourself yelling at the TV? Is your self-care an hour a day in Port Charles? If so, we invite you to join hosts Amanda Kimmel and Shannon Coach at the place where all the hidden conversations take place and secrets are revealed. Meet us at Pier 54, a General Hospital fan podcast. Hello. Hi. Welcome to the Port Charles 411. Today we are talking with Janelle. It is a fan spotlight. However, I think that this might be the first one of something that we have been asking for is for people to write in like their own 411. Yes, exactly. I was going to say we could make this all about Esme fan view. Yes, because... I I think that when we've done that ask, it's been more of a tell us a storyline you've loved or a character that, you know, similar to like our storyline. And But do whatever the heck you want. Write us a super long email. <laughs> that breaks down. It was like like we're in court. She's like, here is my presentation of why I Esme is faking. And I was like, yes, I hadn't thought of that. It was great. Yes. So if, if you remember a few weeks ago, uh, we shared that Janelle had written in about is Esme faking her amnesia and we weren't going to do it justice by doing it during the Port Charles pipeline. No way. It definitely needed its own 411. So uh, we hope you enjoy our conversation, listening to Janelle share with us as to her thoughts on is Esme faking her amnesia and some other thoughts that we had along the way. Hi. 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 How are you? Good. How are you? Doing well. Thanks. So nice to meet you and know what we're talking about today too (laughs) my essay right oh my goodness I was like no we have to talk all about this with you we couldn't just read it and yeah 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 well I appreciate you guys taking the time to allow me to share this thought with you um like I said in my email I have no one else to like talk to about this in my friend circle and so I literally sometimes I'm talking to myself which is ridiculous anyways so yeah no, we understand. That's yeah. kind of how we started the show. We're like, there has to be other people out there that talk about this stuff. So. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, yeah. Yeah. So why don't you just tell us a little bit about yourself? Okay. Oh, I'm Shannon, by the way. Sorry. Oh, Amanda. Oh, Shannon and Amanda. Okay. I was like, I okay, let me just say this. 
before I get into the whole story about myself, I've like binged your podcast from start episode to like recent in a month, month and a half. Oh my goodness. (laughs) So I was like trying to listen to voices to see if I could recognize who was who. Right. But anyways, that's okay. Yeah. So, um, okay. So about myself, um, do you want my, just my GH story, generally speaking, whatever you want to tell us about you. Okay. Well, I'll, I'll tell you the GH story. I like many a GH fan started watching when I was a little kid, my grandma would watch my sisters and I after school and, uh, on summer vacations. And she watched the trifecta, the, all my children, one life to live GH kind of thing. Right. Mm -hmm. And so as a kid would watch with her and watched it, you know, as consistently you can as a kid. Right. And then I think it was like high school. My mom started recording the show for me. So high school, college, all that kind of stuff would watch the show. And, um, then after college, um, I mean, I still watched it consistently, but you know, think life gets in the way. And then in 2009, I had bought a house. I was working two jobs and I had a hobby that was taking up a lot of my time. And so I was like, okay, I don't have time to watch this show, you know? And I think I was just kind of a little annoyed with some of the storylines and stuff like that. Got away from it, but now I'm back into it more recently than probably some of the other people you've had, um, on the four one ones, but, um, or I should say this, uh, fan spotlights, but anyways, I've like dived like head first, feet first, whatever, full deep into GH again. I I'm like so involved in the show. And so hence why I binged your podcast. I'm like on YouTube all the time watching stuff and commenting and everything like that. So yeah, yeah, that's it. Glad I did the YouTube while you can right now. I know I'm, I'm really sad about that, to be honest yeah. with you. I'm I'm very curious to see how, how they're going to restrict it, you know? Yeah. It's, I don't know. It's just so, it's not fair. No. (laughs) Well, the thing about what I, what I don't understand is like, it, it brings people back into the show, right? Mm -hmm. It it gives it a different avenue people to watch the show again or watch their favorite characters. And like me, for example, like I was away from the show. Like when I was living in North Carolina, I was away from the show. I didn't have TV five, six, seven years. I did not have any TV. So all those advertising dollars, all Mm -hmm. those shows and like the, you know, the, the networks who look at ratings and all that, I wasn't part of that. And there's Mm -hmm. many people that are like that. So having YouTube be able to, um, in my opinion, like cultivate a new generation into these shows. I don't understand why they would want to limit that, but yeah, you right. know, I don't know all the legality and the, the uh, advertising and revenue aspects of it, but that's just my opinion. Right. Maybe they need to work on what they are striking against right now first. Right. Yeah. And worry yeah. about what the fan, the fans yeah. who are, like you said, the ones keeping it alive and keeping mm-hmm. it going. I mean, what, there's so many four one ones that we've gone back and watched things for the first time from the seventies, the eighties, you right. know, we watched the cartel the whole way through. And now that entire storyline is gone from YouTube. That it, it just, yeah, I find it very sad. I really do find it sad unless they're going to bring it back. You've, you've, you've lost history of your show. You've lost this, you know, that fans can either relate to go back and watch, like you said, or give them Intel about future storylines because they all eventually interlink and they all like, you know, this affects this storyline and how the characters interact with each other. And I just, you know, unless they're going to bring it back on a, a streaming platform, how do you, how do you gain revenue or, you know, 
bring a new audience or keep an audience to a show that you're limiting access to. So, anyways. and are they going to break it down into the segments per storyline the way that I'm just going to keep using the cartel because like mm-hmm. that was, it was a storyline specific playlist. Right? Yeah. It was yeah. great. We, sometimes you would see hints of things that you're like, oh, I have to go back and watch that. But like the ice princess and everything mm-hmm. that was very, mm-hmm. the Asian quarter, it was very specific. Yeah. And we were able to focus on the first one I got sucked up, sucked in on was Dante mm. because it was the first like amazing playlist we were supposed to record. I was like, I am not ready yet. I am. <laughs> I'm still watching him because I, what was it? I don't think I watched when he first arrived. Right. And so like, I had missed all that. Uh-huh. Like I knew, yeah, you know, the, you just shot your son, but yeah, like I knew it, but right. I hadn't seen it. And I was like, I need to watch this. And oh, I did. So good. It was so good. And now, you know, yeah. I, I don't know if that one is still there. Right. But if it's not. Yeah. I'm curious because I know you guys have mentioned on your podcast. I haven't done much research. I hate almost even saying like names out there of channels that I like because I don't want to give anyone fodder to like, look at them and like strike them. You know what I mean? And, and, but there's a few that, that they, they literally clip, they don't clip all up like the whole uh, show, but they'll do little clips of a specific, you know, characters or, you know, like you were saying um, characters mostly, and they'll clip them together. So I don't know if it's like, under a certain time limit that they allow it to go through or certain amount of content, who's to say, but I mean, they're all like interlinked at some point. Like I don't, you know, I don't know the corporation hierarchy, but somehow YouTube has got to be connected in some ways or could be to ABC or the networks or whatever, like just get on it already. And let's figure this out. (laughs) It's kind of what my opinion is. (laughs) I'm definitely, you know, if they were doing it with the new shows, Mm -hmm. Okay, now we have different ways of being able to watch it, but especially the older ones. I mean, yeah. come on, let yeah, us yeah. let us enjoy the seventies, eighties, nineties storylines that we yeah. can't find anywhere else. Yeah, and the thing about it is, uh, like I think we've just we're, we've said it before, but you're losing fan engagement. You know, you're you're losing fan engagement. You're not gaining. You're losing current fan engagement, and you're not gaining new fans. So, mm-hmm. what are you going to do for this type of show? You know. Or, or, or other shows in general, not even just, you know, soap operas, but other shows in general. So anyways. So what led you to sending the email? My you inter- still not read it by the way. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's fine. So- I, I reprinted it just to like, make sure I can follow along with what you're saying, you know, kind of thing. Or as well, you're going to ask, do you want to read the email to us or do you want us to read the email and you can add to it? How do you want to do this? I'm fine with either way. If it's easier for you to read it so that it, instead of listening to my voice, I don't, I don't know. I can either way. Yeah. Okay. What do you want to do? Yeah. I think you should read it to us. That's kind of what oh, I was okay. thinking. I was okay. thinking to, I'll read so it. So that way we can react. Right. Okay. Like I need, I need to I'm hear gonna, your feeling with it. Okay. Then okay. I'm gonna, I have it up in a screen right now. I'm going to minimize that. There you go. Full experience. Yep. Full experience. Story. <laughs> okay. So how did I get into writing this dissertation? Um, <laughs> so what started out was my love of this ship, Sprina, Trina and Spencer. I mean, it's one of the reasons I got back into the show as like deep dive as I did. I love the slow burn of this like relationship from the moment they met to the adventure in uh, Greenland. And I feel like 
the actors who portray those two characters like have such an amazing chemistry with each other and who they interact within the show, you know, generally speaking. And I feel like if the general hospital can maintain being like a show on the air, that they have this buildup to a long like a, a list of super coupled them like uh, Sam and Jason, like a Luke and Laura. I really feel like they have the chemistry with each other. They have like family history basis now. Um, so anyways, so I had written a very, a longer version of this email to you guys. And it was my, like, um, it was my uh, analysis of Spencer's character. And like, as he's like come into the show again, right. Cause I didn't watch, the previous Nicholas who played the teenage um, uh, Spencer. I didn't watch him. And so I've just known this guy as Spencer as is now, right? So I'm kind of taking what he says and his interpretation of the character and some of the history I heard from your guys' podcast. Anyways, I'd done this like character analysis of him, of Trina, of their friendship group, of everything. And I'm like, okay, that storyline is almost kind of come and pass. It influences what's happening, but they've kind of had this big arc, right? The Sprina thing. And now we're like going into a new phase with this, is Esme really freaking faking her amnesia or not? You know? And so that's where I'm like, to me, there's these little nuggets of information and I just needed someone to like, like bounce ideas off of and share it with. And anyways, so that's what led me to writing the email. And so again, I appreciate you guys taking the time to go over it with me, I guess. Yeah. Okay. So do you want me to start? Sure. Um, Okay. So I'll start with this paragraph. Okay. I wavered back and forth on whether Esme is faking her amnesia or not. For a soap opera, the juicier story would be that she is. Even better, key characters directly affected by her amnesia start believing her and fall for this redemption arc, but then have it all fall apart when it's revealed her amnesia was never real. Because let's face it, that is the juicier storyline, right? Yeah. And I feel like I've heard someone else say this, but I, I personally feel like they are trying to redeem Esme because she was such a nasty character. I don't know what you guys think about that. Oh, she was, she was, I don't feel like she was ever really given a fair shot in life, like, you know, but I do, I think that they are trying to redeem her through that instead of, okay, we'll let you go. Okay. I'll write this down. (laughs) Okay. So we'll, we all, with all that we now know about Esme, I just don't trust she's lost her memory. Let's look at the lead up to the amnesia storyline, which I call act one. So until her father is revealed to be Ryan Chamberlain, we are given the impression Esme's reason for being in Port Charles is to support Spencer. However, we learn that the real reason she's in Port Charles was to connect with her father and carry out his plan to separate Avery from Nicholas. We also discover that Esme was sent to the same boarding school as Spencer for the sole purpose of getting close to him. Once she's infiltrated Spencer's world, she can carry out Ryan's plan. How does she do this? By creating barriers between his familial and friend relationships. She consistently fuels Spencer's hatred of Ava, which perpetuates the friction between himself and Nicholas, all the while pretending being the misunderstood girlfriend who is not accepted by Trina, Joss, and Cam, pitting herself against Spencer's friend group. Some examples of um, Esme's tactics and manipulations are, and then I list some. So, that's kind of my interpretation because I feel like in the beginning of 
the story. I mean, Spencer comes to town. We don't even know he has a girlfriend at first, right? He's lied about that. Then we discover that she's in on like the stalking of Ava and Nicholas. And then we also learn that she's the one who like ups the ante. Like Spencer's stuff is pretty juvenile, right? He's got the spider thing, the hand. Um, I can't even remember. There's maybe another thing, but she is the one who like takes it up a notch. She, the car explosion using Ryan's voice to, you know, stalk Ava with um, involving Avery. That's her. That's who she is at the core. She was using, she got Kiki's badge. Oh yeah. That's it. Yeah. 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 And so I just feel like she's on that next level of manipulation, mm-hmm. a higher level of manipulation than, than Spencer, you know, like, I think at the core, he he really wants to remove Esme, or not Esme, uh, Ava from his father's life because he wants his father back. I mean, he said it repeatedly, but he doesn't want to do it like to hurt anyone per se. Like it's it's almost a juvenile reaction, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. So, anyways, um, and I think Esme tr- worms her way. I mean, she she she. So, anyways. Some of the things I was saying is examples of how she like manipulates Spencer and his um, his like world. So she uses Spencer's feelings of abandonment, hurt and anger to manipulate him and believing their shared experience of being estranged from their families created this bond between them. Like she does it all the time. She uses her her death of her parents and like Nicholas Nicholas's fake death against everyone and uses that to like bond herself and create this fake loyalty to from Spencer to her essentially is how I see it. Yeah. Then I have um, upping the ante on the stalking techniques, which we talked about, like she's the one who does that. But then when he actually confronts her about this, he does this a couple different times. He says, why did you do this? Why did you go that far? She doesn't really answer his question. And she basically just like, claims it was all in the name for him and like to do his bidding and stuff. And then uses Spencer's sense of loyalty to her um, to fully take responsibility for like all the stalking incidences and pay the penalty. Like she consistently tries to say, I'm the only one who loves you. I'm the only one who's there for you. I'm the only one who like um, knows what you're going through kind of thing. Yeah. Kind of more like Stockholm syndrome almost. Yeah. Yeah. Feel like she's trying to isolate him a lot of times from his father, from Ava, from his friend group. She encourages Spencer's hatred of Ava, and yet at the same time tells Nicholas she's trying to encourage Spencer to create or work on their relationship. She she talks out of both sides of her mouth, you know. Even in front of Spencer, she'll do this. She'll, you know, privately talk to him about encouraging his like hatred of Ava and this whole like perpetuating this whole scenario. But then when they're, you know, in a conversation with Nicholas, she'll, if Spencer's even there, she'll be like, Spencer, you just need to give your dad a chance, you know, work on this relationship. That's how I interpreted it. Anyway, let's see. She lies about her reasons for wanting to be at Spring Ridge and manipulates both Kevin and Nicholas to gain access, obviously to see Ryan. She drugs Trina and frames her for the revenge porn. She tries to pit Trina against Joss and Cam for that. And then she fakes a pregnancy scare with Spencer to keep control of them. Like, I feel like in a nutshell, all of those things are her way of enacting Ryan's plan and isolating Spencer from anyone that can kind of give him a different perspective of what's going on, what he should be doing and her, uh, like her relationship with him. Yeah. I mean, 
because Ryan was doing that kind of stuff too mm-hmm. back when he was doing that to that nurse. Remember yeah. the one that he was, um, he wound up killing her. He was using her. Yes. The one that yeah. he beheaded. Yeah. Yeah. Or choked with a scarf or whatever. Yeah. yeah. I don't remember her name. <laughs> no, me neither. I don't remember her name. I don't remember. Yeah. I want to say Dawn, but I feel like that is so wrong. Um, I forget where I was going with that. <laughs> we were just talking about isolating someone, you know, yeah. kind of thing. And, and that's just how I interpret her. Like all her, her actions were a way to just basically in my opinion, isolate Spencer and keep control of him so that she can like enact her real reasons for being in Port Charles. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I say Esme uses charm, sense of superiority, sexuality, perceived loyalty, sympathy, aggression, lying and gaslighting as tactics, to, depending on who she's interacting with for the purpose to manipulate the situation to her benefit. I mean, this chick can, has no bound like boundaries at all. She was willing to do anything and everything, in my opinion, to keep control of the situation, to do anything so that she landed on top, essentially. I think gaslighting hits the nail on the head. Yeah. I mean, that's forget Stockholm syndrome. I mean, it's yeah. Yeah. I mean, she did it with Spencer. She did it with Nicholas to some degree. She did it with like Joss and Cam and Trina all the time. Like whenever they would try to get her to like, express true feelings or true like motivations she always would like gaslight them it's crazy um okay so then i say (laughs) esme's jealousy of trina distracts her from ryan's goal and her attempt to remove trina from spencer world spencer's world blows up in her face like that girl was jealous of trina so jealous of her and i think she i think she came to Poor Charles with this sense of like, I got to enact my father's plan. This is what I'm here. This is what I'm doing. And maybe she had some lukewarm feelings for Spencer, but I don't know. I feel like it wasn't necessarily, you know, a full real relationship. I think it was like, I can't have Trina intercede what I'm trying to do and step in and break that bond between us. That's my interpretation. Yeah. Because I mean, Spencer gave her access to. Yeah. Because if, if Trina came between the two of them, She'd be out. She'd be yeah, out. She'd be out. She yeah. Have access to everything. Yeah. Yeah. So um there, okay. So Trina's um, okay. So I said she attempt to move Trina, blows up her face. Okay. There's a line by Ryan that is I find is absolute gold. He says to Esme, You played with those wayward children like they were spiders in a jar, and now you're paying the price. So this is basically where the revenge porn thing has come to light. She's Trina's been exonerated. She or not quite exonerated. I think they're going to go testify and she's like stall, uh, stalling or whatever. And he's basically pointing out like your jealousy has caused this problem. Your your lack of control of the situation. And like the character Ryan has such great lines. And I thought that was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a really great line and it almost like a really it was a really great analogy of like what she was doing. She was treating them like these playthings, and now it's biting her in the butt essentially. Yep. When she went off script. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, Esme comes to the realization that she's lost control of Spencer. We see Esme and Spencer arguing about the trial and framing of Trina. It's in this argument, Esme shouts, she never loved him. And I think that was the first time like there was an inkling to Spencer that he like his relationship may have not been as real as he thought it was yeah like 
he doesn't know the full story yet. He doesn't know everything that's gone on or going to happen or, you know, whatever. But I think at that point he realized like, okay, maybe she wasn't as in love or wasn't as real of a relationship, you know, kind of thing. So I said, at that time, I think the audience is led to believe this is a scorned girlfriend upset with her boyfriend who is essentially picking out another girl over her. However, after the big reveals of Esme's connection to Ryan and how long she's known he was her father, we as an audience understand the lengths Esme will go in order to enact her father's plan. Like, I think it's that that moment where like, oh, geez, this girl is cray cray. <laughs> That's my opinion. We um, definitely talked a lot about how crazy we think mm-hmm. Esme, is. Esme is. Okay. So then I say, I believe Esme thought she was a, been a better manipulator than she actually was. When all has come blown up in her face, she goes to Ryan for guidance. I think it's at this point Esme comes to realize that Ryan was manipula- manipulating and using her. It's in these scenes at Springridge. We see sort of standoff between the two. Esme starts to question Ryan's love and need for her. She's upset. Ryan never asked what she wants, which is to find out who her mother is and that she's willing to do whatever it takes to get that information. Because at this point, I, I, Ryan, Ryan doesn't truly know who her mother is, right? That's what I remember. He just didn't want to admit it because he called her a different name. You're right. You're right. She was, they went by different names to each other, but I don't know if he really didn't didn't know know or if he found out after the fact and then just let it go. That's a really good question. Yeah. I don't think we ever actually got the true True. answer to it. Because that's what, when he and Heather were face to face, Mm -hmm. that's when we found out that they had each exchanged different names. He told Esme that his, her mom was some woman he had just had like a one night stand with and she had flown away to like a different country, right? Right. Yeah, I, that sounds familiar. But it would be interesting if that was like an excuse he gave, you know, because Ryan's a liar and a manipulator. But if he was using that, like withholding that information from Esme to manipulate her and, and to like use her because he couldn't get out of Spring Ridge at that point. Right. Yeah. So was he withholding that information and lying about it or not is the question. Hmm. Darn it. We're never going to get that answer. No, we're not. <laughs> okay. So not, no, he has to be dead this time. I'm sorry. Well, maybe yeah. Heather could tell her or I'm sorry. She, could find, she could find letters. Yeah something Heather's still alive so Heather could say oh, no oh, your dad knew you yeah, know he true. found out afterwards yeah yeah I want that answer now yeah but I do remember you're right that he knew they knew each other as different names essentially right. I, I do recall that now okay so it didn't happen when they were on screen though no, that was all no. Rewrite. right yeah, yeah yeah um so so in that line I was just basically saying I feel like Esme was so desperate to find out who her mom was because she, like you said before, she didn't have the greatest childhood, right? There's, and to me, there's a suspicion about how her adoptive parents passed or died. And so it's like, she's wanting to have this connection, this familiar relationship and know who her mom is, because I think she has rose colored glasses on who her mom could be. Like, if I just know my mom, things will be better, you know? and all that kind of stuff. And I could build this relationship. And I think she is to some degree jealous of like Joss and Trina and Cam and their family relationships and the support they get there. So anyways, I just think it's interesting how much emphasis they, she was putting on trying to find out who her mom was. 
even while she's trying to enact this like plan that that Ryan has put her in charge of essentially to to carry out. Maybe she was looking for a way out because maybe she thought she had no choice but to be like Ryan. But if her mom was good, Mm -hmm. she would have redeeming qualities in herself. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. Because she just told Heather what um, our bloodline does not determine who we become. Right. 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 But that might have been something that she just had to learn on her own instead of because. So what I had jotted down was it would almost be more of an interesting story for her redemptive story is if she was so scared by the fact that, oh, shoot, these are both my parents. Right. And maybe done the research and found out even more about both of them. And that had like scared her right. into, okay, I need help. How do I change my life around? Right. You know, And having no one to go to and having something, you know, it could have avoided this whole getting pregnant by Nicholas thing too. Right. And I think that's interesting because when, I mean, we're, you know, past the storyline, but she's like in, um, Alexis's office Mm -hmm. talking and she's scouring through like all the boxes and stuff. And, you know, you know, Alexis basically lectures her essentially as like, you need to do the work, you know, you need to find out what's going on, this and that, whatever. And yes, I'm a Cassidine, but I work to like move, remove myself from that, a kind of essentially breaking the, you know, the bloodlines per se. Mm-hmm. And I, I feel like in a way that leads, that goes against my theory that she's faking her amnesia, but it could be part of the story. You know what I mean? Of like this redemption arc, essentially, mm-hmm. you know, kind of thing. I think it's interesting that they had Alexis kind of give her that piece of information or that kind of like guidance per se, which leads her to go see Heather. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Okay. So let's see, where did I leave off? Um, we are talking about her mom. Okay. So this is where, you know, she's gone to Ryan for guidance. She's gone to him and was like, Hey, this is basically all blown up my face and whatever. And so they're kind of arguing back and forth. And so at some point Ryan tells Esme, if she was compromised, then she's no use to him. Again, kind of to me, highlighting the fact that he's using her, he's using her as a tool or a tactic to get what he wants. Mm-hmm. And as at that point, Esme threatens to throw Ryan under the bus and leverage um, and leverage information about him to avoid jail time. I mean, it's a pure on threat. She tells him, I'm going to throw you under the bus. I will say anything to avoid jail. And then they argue back and forth, essentially throwing barbs at each other. And Esme ultimately says she would never betray or leave him. And Ryan says there's pretty much um, he threatened her basically saying there's no place she can run or hide in that he wouldn't find her. And I mean, that's kind of a scary tactic, knowing what she knows about him at that point. Yeah. And I've also wondered I didn't I don't think I included this in the the email, but I've also wondered how much does she know about Ryan? Because. I was just thinking about that as you were saying. Yeah. Like, but you can, before you said that, that's what I was thinking because she has the opportunity now working for a paper mm-hmm. to get access to. Right. right that you're right. How much does she really know about Ryan? Well, and I also think you can look things up. I'm sure there was many a newspaper about uh, Ryan over the years and the articles written mm-hmm. about his exploits and his situations and the murders and everything like that. But reading it and interacting with someone, right? two different things. 
And yeah. if she felt like she, they were in like a partnership per se, and almost like an equal. And then he turned around and was like, no, you're not my equal. You're my tool. So now I'm going to use you. And if you don't do what I say, I'm going to bring harm to you. I think that's completely different. Yeah. So where, because Maggie, Maggie knew who Ryan was. Her nanny knew who Ryan was. Did she know that Esme knew who her dad was? Yeah. Yeah. That's what, but she learned that from Sam and Dante. Right. Right. Is that what she learned? Because Maggie had told her not to keep looking, not to keep Mm -hmm. digging. Because at some point she told Maggie, I know this is my dad and he's right here. And Maggie Mm -hmm. said, stay away from him. Yeah. Maggie probably knew the whole story, but she didn't know that Esme had learned or even made contact with. So we need a letter between Maggie and Heather to know if there was everything on the table or not. Right. Because in the letter that Spencer found between Maggie and Esme when he was searching for evidence against her, I remember there in there, there's a part in the letter that he reads or recounts that to someone that says that they're communicating and Maggie says basically stay away from your father he's no good so right. she knew and she knew she knew Esme knew and to what level does she know that Esme was interacting with Ryan is the question right right, right. yeah yeah I still feel like they did not do enough with Maggie they played that right. up so yep. much I mean I yeah. was so excited for it and then yeah. Well, and it's interesting too because they pur- purposely showed when all's come to light to su- yeah, all well to some degree um when Ava finds out that you know Nicholas and Esme slept together and Esme's trying to flee the tower and they're fighting like she's writing some kind of letter. She's putting a letter in an envelope. What yeah. does that letter say? They're right. fighting over it, they're arguing over it, and then eventually that same well the, she throws that letter over the parapet, right? Mm-hmm. So we still don't. So we don't know. No. But then when they're burning her stuff, they purposely show like a letter again. So is it two different letters? Is it multiple letters? Like, because she kept all these letters right in a box. Mm-hmm. They purposely showed that letter going over and they purposely showed letters or letters being burned. So all of that knowledge is like gone. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they were trying to really find the letter that got tossed. Yeah. Like it's just somewhere on the island. She can yeah. be playing and be like, oh, mom, look, I found this letter. It needs there to have go. been found, though, where it has obviously rained right, at right, least once. Right. And it it's, near the, it's near condition. the rock. Yeah. But like they have to have found it yeah. under a rock or something. So yeah. that way it's right. at least maybe muddied or. Right. right. Yeah. 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 OK. Oh, yeah. OK. So basically, that's kind of like what I call end of act one. Basically. Ryan's threatened her, you know, she's, she's, she's on the hook potentially for this revenge porn thing. She's got legal stuff. No one, no, everyone, well, at least Spencer doesn't trust her anymore and all that kind of stuff. Right. So then I said, as act two is Esme's miraculous return. <laughs> yes. <laughs> stupid thing. Anyways. So Esme appears um, after being thrown or falling off the parapet, sneaking around town, spying on people during her time of recovery. I call it recovery. Esme has plotted and planned her next moves. Her motivation is shifted. While previously she was about enacting her dad's plan, now she's back 
to get what she wants. We see this when she makes her first reappearance to Ryan. She seems bolder in her dealings with him. She reminds Ryan that she's no longer doing what he wants, that that changed the moment she slept with Nicholas. And I believe she's come up with a plan to scheme, manipulate, blackmail, etc. Nicholas Spencer and anyone else in that group she can to make sure she lands on top. I think her going over the parapet was like, enough's enough. It's my turn now, essentially. I wonder if she called him daddy in that conversation. Oh, I didn't pay attention. No, because when, when, right. No, because he, she idolized him. Right. And so no matter what he said was, you know, God's word. And Mm -hmm. so every sentence she would end it with, you know, okay, daddy. And it was disgusting the way that she said it, but that showed the admiration, like, right whatever you say is golden i don't remember if after that shift she still called him daddy or not you go back and watch (laughs) and mark when she stopped saying daddy Daddy. (laughs) you're right i mean that's a good point like she you're right that was her way of showing that admiration that like terminology using that term Yeah. yeah um Okay, when she's eventually caught by Nicholas and locked in the tower, it's here where we really see Esme's true nature. In these circumstances, she has nothing else to lose. She's willing to say or do anything to get out of the situation. I also think she's getting a perverse sense of joy in seeing how far she can manipulate and push Nicholas's buttons. Um, They constantly argue, blaming each other for what has happened, pointing fingers at each other. Truths are shared by Esme that, in my opinion, shocks Nicholas because up to that point, I don't really think he understood how manipulative Esme truly was. And I give a couple examples. The two to me that seemed like the most relevant to that are the one where um, Nicholas um, poses the question to Esme in an argument saying, how was I ever snowed by you? And her response is all like father, like son. (laughs) So, yeah. She fully admits that she was manipulating Spencer the entire time. She was manipulating Nicholas and she's just throwing it in his face. Like you both are like little children to her, you know, like just following along kind of thing. And the second one I thought was interesting was, so she's held captive, captive in the tower. She references the baby as her ace in the hole. In those same moments as she's talking to her belly, she states, I know how to pick them. Just wait until you meet your brother. And she has, in my interpretation, a very condescending look on her face. Like she has no high opinion of Nicholas or Spencer at this point, Mm-mm. like at all. To be fair, I would not think highly of someone who locked me away either. Right. Valid, valid. Right. Or slept with her son's <laughs> girlfriend. Okay. Yeah. But also, despite her manipulation and everything, she is still a child. I mean, she really is like, she's very, very immature for the stuff that she knows. She's still right. very childlike. True. Yeah. Nicholas knew better. I mean, right. she oh, absolutely. absolutely knew better. She absolutely yeah. knew better, but Nicholas should have yeah. had in the, not like there is a limit where it would have been. Okay. He had like half a glass of bourbon. Right. Right. Like well, not, not only that, but I feel like they total in that whole story arc. From the moment Spencer walked back into like the stalking thing to the time he's basically knocked on the head by Ava, he, they've written him so dumb. They've mm-hmm. written him so dumb. They changed his character so much. Like he has been the one who's uh, hired someone to kill Aiden, right? <laughs> he's been the one to manipulate other circumstances and enact certain plans, whatever. And now he's this 18, 20 year old girl is manipulating him. Um right. 
I think there's a, I don't remember exactly when it is, but there's a line that uh, the Uncle Victor character says something about her being a vindictive Lolita, like this mm. young girl to this, you know, older man. And he's like snowed by her and she's using her, you know, innocent sexuality towards manipulating him. And right. it's just crazy how dumb they wrote Nicholas. And it drove me nuts because I don't think Nicholas from five years ago would have put up with any of that or believed any of that was going on. You know, I think, though, at the time he was more focused on repairing his relationship with Spencer. And even if this is what Portia should be doing, even if you don't like the boyfriend, girlfriend, you don't outwardly attack them. So True. maybe he was just kind of putting blinders on and was like, mm-hmm. okay. Spencer's been hurt. Mm-hmm. He may, I don't like this girl, but you know, for whatever reason, he thinks that he loves her. Mm-hmm. I need to get him to realize that this is not a good situation for him to be in, get him to see his own self-worth, mm-hmm. you know, that he deserves better. Right. And it'll kind of just like work its way out. Right. Meanwhile, Esme is completely manipulating all of the insecurities that Spencer has for as he seems like such a confident young man, but he has that hurt little boy inside of mm-hmm. himself that my dad pretended to be dead instead of coming back to me. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know? I think, I think later on in the show or in the story, um, there's a conversation between Trina and TJ and he expresses that, you know, he says, you know, uh, Spencer was this precocious young kid, you know, he was, he was a prankster. He's precocious. He had this like way about him. And part of that is just his personality, but the circumstances he was raised in and, you know, the wealth and the the titles and the, the family thing that he had as a Cassidine. Right. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, he was a lonely kid. You know, he never had a mother figure. His father was inconsistent and, and he, yes, he puts on this almost bravado of who he is, this worldly character. But at the end of the day, I think he really does feel hurt and abandoned and, and lonely. Mm-hmm. And, and as much as he claimed, my opinion is as much as he claims that Tr- uh, Joss and Cam were his friends, I don't think they really were his friends. They right. try to play that up, but in the beginning of him coming back, to me, they don't seem like friends at all. Mm-hmm. So him latching onto Trina is his like first friend in a way, you know, that doesn't see him as, I think you said at one point, as a Cassidyne or as an ATM, as someone who of this privilege or wealth and like can get them anything. She sees him beyond all that. And I think that's what first intrigues him about her. Well, and she didn't know who he was. She had no preconceived notions. She had right. no, she had nothing to base it on other than right. I'm sitting in the park and there's this guy. Yeah. Yeah. And that was it. Right. It was the so, first time they, it's like a celebrity mm-hmm. when they marry the person that they've dated before they were a celebrity. Cause they're mm-hmm. like, I can't trust anyone that I meet now. Right. Because do they love me or do they love this? Mm-hmm. You know, I need to be with the person who loved me when mm-hmm. I was no one, you know, right. that I couldn't yeah. give them anything. Yeah. So yeah. Going back to what you were saying about him, have him having this arrogance about him or, um, confidence about him. I think it's just all a facade really. Mm-hmm. But anyways. Okay. So, um, so this is the, this is the real meat of the story, I guess, probably this, all of that was lead up to kind of like, my in, to condense my like interpretation of the story up to that point, her actions, her, her interactions with people, possibly the reasons why she may be faking her, um, her amnesia. So I said, is, is it really amnesia or just good manipulation? Act three. 
things come to a head when Esme feels her only resource is to, I'm sorry, recourse is to take extreme measures in escaping. This time she jumps off the parapet and eventually lands on the Hanan star. Okay, first of all, I could just, I'm asking this. Why now does she get amnesia? Okay, because she fell off it before, she didn't have it. How many times has Nicholas, Ava, uh, hasn't Jason, like all these people have fallen off the parapet and no one has gotten amnesia. They've either died or miraculously survived, but she's the one who gets amnesia. Okay. I just say true. True. Yeah. Um, okay. So here's my first bullet point and reasons why I think she might be faking. So she just pulled herself out of freezing water on the verge of dying by either drowning or from hypothermia, she sees two people standing on the boat, not that far away from her, and she just stands there. In my opinion, if you don't know who you are, you're just like survive this crazy situation. You get on a boat, you see two people there. Even if you don't know why you're there, you would be you would be afraid for yourself. Why aren't you yelling, help me, help me, help me, help me? She just stands there and stares at them. Drives me nuts. <laughs> If she had at least, like, if we had seen her pulling herself out, right. stood there, and as she was going to say something, passed out. Right, right. You know, then you're like, okay, should even get a chance? I didn't even think about that. Okay. So she just stands there, and it says, in my opinion, she realized it was Spencer and Trina. She's about to witness them kiss, right? Because they're mm-hmm. really close, whatever. Yes. And, um, and I think it throws her off balance. And of all the people at that moment, she could see it's these two, right? For a variety of reasons. One, she's, she's lost control of Spencer. She's doesn't like Trina. She doesn't want that relationship to happen. She knows she's got legal issues because of that whole situation. And she's just escaped from her fa- the father. Like there's so many reasons for her to keep quiet at that moment. And not one is it the fact that she's lost her amnesia or she has amnesia in my opinion. Okay. Okay. Second. <laughs> I'm kind of already changing my mind a little bit just based on that. Okay. Second, she awakens in the hospital and discovers she's pregnant. I could chalk this up to really good acting. Okay. I've never, I've not been pregnant. I know you two have children, so you can answer this question for me. But in my opinion, you've just woken up. And if you have amnesia, the last thing you remember is your flat stomach. Now you have this protruding stomach. Wouldn't you notice that before someone else has to say something to you? Wouldn't you feel different? Wouldn't you possibly feel the baby moving around? Wouldn't you do all those things? Even if you're just laying there, you can see your belly like protruding. You could feel things. You would feel different. You might lay your hand on your stomach and it's a lot bigger than it used to be. So if you have amnesia, wouldn't you be wondering what the freak is going on rather than someone telling you? And it's not like they excused it away by they have her on so many medications or anything like that. Because right. maybe, or if she were in like the Curtis position right now where she can't feel her body, right. They could have excused it away that way. Right. Yeah. Or that- like, even if she had just opened her eyes and looked down and been like, Holy heck, what is this? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I'm like, why don't you recognize that something is wrong with your body? If the last thing you remember is that you were not pregnant. So anyways, Okay. The next one I have is she recognizes no one else who comes to see her except for Kevin, who is Ryan's twin brother, right? So Spencer, who she had a relationship in for at least a year and a half, no recollection. She doesn't recall who he is. Nicholas, who is the father of the baby, someone who held her captive, who she's had this like, um, I, in a way I find antagonistic like relationship with, right? 
She doesn't recognize him. The first, the one person she recognizes is Kevin. And I wrote, and when she does first see him, I think she looks frightened. She, he walks in the door and there's this look on her face, like, oh crap, in my opinion. And it's like, I was, I thought she was trying to determine if Ryan was, or if it was Ryan or Kevin who entered the room. Once she's confirmed it was Kevin, she can claim a vague recollection recollection of a memory uh, with no real details. She can say, oh, he looks familiar for some reason, this and that, whatever. The one thing I didn't go back and look was to see if his hand was covered, you know, like his arm. If his arm was covered, then I think it leads more like credence to her trying to determine if it was Ryan or Kevin. Yes. If it, if it wasn't, then okay, maybe it leads more to like she has this familiarity of to a face but doesn't know. But so I didn't go back and look at that. That's one thing I didn't do. But I'm curious now. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Um, okay. When in the hospital, she interacts with both Nicholas and Elizabeth, as well as the police. By claiming amnesia, she can see how they treat her, what questions they ask her, and what they have to say about the situation. I think. She was in information finding mode to determine her next moves because she, I mean, if she didn't have amnesia, she knows that they're looking after looking at her for potentially the hook killer stuff and the revenge porn stuff, right? So she's got these two legal issues going on. So she claims amnesia, she doesn't have to face that. And then I think she's also trying to figure out what Nicholas and Elizabeth would be doing because they've held her captive, right? So she could mm-hmm. use that against them right? And say, hey, they've been holding me captive and like bring legal action against them. But I think she's really trying to figure out what her next move is and like playing amnesia up allows her time to see what everyone else is going to do first. Yeah. Hmm. That's my interpretation of that. <laughs> yeah. Um. Okay. Then fast forward. And I said, is Esme really shocked by the actions Ryan and Heather take to escape Spring Ridge? Maybe, but it could be that while she knows of Ryan's infamy, and this is what I was talking about earlier. She knows of Ryan's infamy, infamy. She's never experienced it directly or saw how evil he was in her presence. It was all a theory and what ifs. To be confronted with that in your face, I'm sure is completely overwhelming and shocking. Up to this point, she has claimed amnesia, so why not continue? This was this way, if they are caught, she can blame him. Remember, she previously told Ryan she would have no problem throwing him under the bus to avoid jail time. I think after that, though, she would be even more scared. If you just watched, she just watched him stab someone. True. That just yeah. happened to be in the wrong place at the wrong time wasn't really, I mean, yeah, he was in his way, but wasn't right. actively against him. But if right. he were to do that, I think she would probably be thinking, what's stopping him from doing that to me when I, am saying that I will take him down. Right. But if she plays that up, she doesn't have to say that, right? She can yeah. just pretend that she doesn't know who he is. She can be scared still, obviously, right? But she mm-hmm. can still say, I don't know who you are. I don't know why you're doing this. And then hopefully get out of it. And so that when he is caught for stabbing someone or whatever, she's not implicated in any way. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I mean it's po- either way is right. Yeah. Possible. Yeah. yeah. Um The baby is delivered and the name she gives it is Ace. (laughs) When asked the reason, she says, it just came to her. Okay, I can't get back the fact that previously she called the baby her Ace in the hole and now she's named it Ace. Right. I just can't. I just can't get past that. Okay, so taking the baby to jail. 
While the law is on her side, as a mother, shouldn't she be acting the, in the best interest of the child? The baby is going to become bonded to her. What happens if she ends up in jail for longer than 18 months? Esme knows that the, she has legal issues, and while she's pretty much cleared of being the hook killer, she still has the pending revenge porn allocations to deal with. I think Esme knows her only leverage is to keep the baby with her. She sees how this impacts Spencer, Nicholas, Laura, and others, and I think she knows she can use the baby against them. Like, I, again, I'm not a mom and I understand wanting to have that bond, but I guess it's the matter of thinking rationally and emotionally, right? Emotionally, she would want to keep the child with her and she has the legal right to do it, right? Mm -hmm. But rationally, if she's going to be held in jail, this baby is going to be bonded to her for 18 months and then ripped away. Right. And the psychological like impact on that child would be so great if that circumstance was to happen. So. I just, I just wonder what is her rationale, if there is one for keeping that child with her beyond saying, I know that this is a way to keep a leverage. Mm -hmm. Anyways. Yeah. Uh, Okay. So Trina goes to visit Esme at Spring Ridge. Esme calls her out for coming to see if she's telling the truth about her memory loss. While there are no overt statements or indications that Esme is lying, it's my impression there is an underlying aggression or passive aggressiveness in their interactions. It's like Esme has this mental thought running through her mind, the entire conversation. You can't touch me if I don't remember anything you said I did. I also find it interesting. One of the first questions that Esme asked Spencer or asked Trina is if Spencer's, if she's Spencer's girlfriend, why would it matter? Yes. Esme could say that Trina would be spying on him, but hello, couldn't she be there because of the revenge porn situation, which Esme knows she's being accused of. Uh, orchestrating and framing. So why does it matter if she's Spencer's girlfriend? Yeah. Especially if she doesn't remember who Spencer is. Yeah. She doesn't remember Spencer is. She doesn't remember the relationship. She doesn't know any of that. She's being accused of this revenge porn. So if she has amnesia, I don't think that matters. And so, I don't know. I just felt like there's this underlying like tension between the two, you know? And Mm -hmm. I, and anyways, Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Esme manipulated her way back into moving with Laura and moving in with Laura. So yes, Spencer tried to use his money to separate Ace and Esme. However, Esme could have said no. That because the law is on her side, she's Ace's mother. If Spencer wanted to pay for a rented room for her and Ace, she would be grateful and would be and would compromise by coming to some kind of a, agreement where Spencer could regularly see Ace. But she didn't. She found the best compromise to was for her to live with Laura again, 
which includes Spencer. For two people she claims she can't trust, she sure finds a way to constantly be around them. She consistently tells Spencer she wants him nowhere near Ace, then purposely chooses to move into a household knowing he will still be there. Right. Yeah. Um, Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) She's persuading you because you're like, no, I think she really doesn't remember. No, I'm just, I'm trying to give you like opportunity to like talk or, or uh, you know, say other impressions, but okay. Trina comes to visit Spencer to see how the baby is. She's surprised to see Esme there. Esme is real quick to remind everyone in that room. Mommy found a way for us both to move in. Um, I wrote that a little weird, but anyways, it reminds me of all the times that Esme would refer to her and Spencer, that they would did this or did that using couple terms. There was just, again, a passive aggressive undertone. Like, yeah, that's how I felt. She did that the other day whenever um, Curtis got shot and she was like, if Spencer and I can do anything for you, like they're not a couple, stop it. Yeah. Yeah. I just felt in that moment, that moment um, at the hospital you're just mentioning. And you know, the one I was talking about, she was just real quick to put her and Spencer together or, or insert her into that situation. And I just felt like up until that point, you said you don't trust Laura. Really? You don't trust Spencer. You don't trust Nicholas. And yet if you really wanted, I mean, obviously she has no money, right? So she needs some support, right? Then tell Nick, tell Spencer, tell Nicholas, then give me a room somewhere and we can come up with a compromise. Like right. the law's on my side. I'm this child's mother. So mm-hmm. let's work it out, you know, kind of thing. But no, she didn't. Okay. Esme is given a job by Alexis. She is super exuberant and gives Alexis a hug. This reminded me of the time she did um, something similar to Laura, essentially being over familiar with someone before you've developed a friendship or a relationship. I cringe recalling the time Esme called Laura grandmother. <laughs> so bad. <laughs> Anyways, once she's on the job, she can't believe her job is to be a receptionist. It just gives a tinge of entitlement or privilege that even in her amnesia state is beneath her to answer a phone. Yeah. Yeah. She would not remember job skills or, I mean, even if we're going back as far as she doesn't remember the past five years, she's still mm-hmm. young enough. So, I mean, typically that's like a 15, 16 year old job, you know, yeah. it's, yeah. it's super basic. It's hi, welcome to McDonald's. You know, yeah. It's, yeah. She hasn't and, had a career yeah. that she's forgetting. Yeah. Yeah. She's not forgetting the job. And it just, again, it just felt like, I, I, like I said, it was just this entitlement or privilege. Like, this is what you want me to do. Like, you know, you have no money. You have no way to support yourself. Like, shouldn't you be, you know, grateful for anything you're given? Yeah. yeah. So anyways, it just hearkened to me the old Esme and how she acted, you know, mm-hmm. anyways, Esme's constant interruptions of Spencer and Trina while they were hanging out at Laura's. Um, while Laura's out of town and it's Esme and Spencer taking care of Ace. So Trina stops by because she knows Spencer has been occupied with Ace. So why not come hang out and try to get some quality time? At first, Esme says she'll take care of Ace and give them space, but at every turn, she finds a way to interrupt them for them. The simplest task to find a pacifier. That's like, that's the only one in the house to demanding Spencer help put Ace to bed by singing to him. Um, She, she put no real effort into taking care of Ace on her own. It felt like every two minutes she was interrupting them. They could barely finish two sentences before she walked in the room. I just felt like it was an old tactic, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so one of my second to last things is Esme trying to take care of Spencer after he's beaten up. She twice just walks into the room without knocking. Why is that? For someone you supposedly don't like, 
why do you care essentially, you know? So after seeing the issue or after seeing the issue, she, um, okay, fine. She like gives him the ice to help recover and all that stuff, but he clearly said he didn't want her help. So just, I just felt like walk away. Why do you keep inserting yourself into his life? Is kind of how I was saying what I was trying to say there. And then, okay. The most recent thing was going back to what you said earlier, Amanda, about how she kept using the couple terms after, you know, uh, Curtis was shot. Like Mm -hmm. she's basically been told, okay. She tells Josh or Spencer, one of them to tell Trina, Hey, I'm thinking of you. I'm sorry. This happened to your family, whatever. And implies that she's going to walk away. But as soon as Joss antagonized her, she's yep. like, nope, I got to go down and insert myself and uses the couple terms again. Yep. Hmm. There's no reason for her to be there. Yeah. Right. And even have you watched this week's this past week's already? Yes. Okay. So yeah, even this week with the wanting to take him to the park, like it's one kid, you're going to the park. You don't need someone else that you say you don't like to mm-hmm. be around and you don't like your kid around to come with you to the park. And then he says, let's go to the pool. And she's like, oh, okay, that's great. Blah, blah, blah. Right. You don't need him to be helping parent. Like you can co-parent without being together 24 hours a day. Right, right. So um, I said, in the end, maybe the powers be at GH. Don't know if they want Esme to have amnesia or not. Maybe that will change in the future. I just think there are are undertones that imply it's a good possibility. We know she's willing to play a long game. I mean, she did that for one and a half years with Spencer. She's willing to play a very long game to get Mm -hmm. what she wants. So I also um, think we are short a truly bad, evil character. Um, Victor is dead. Ryan is dead. Faison is dead. Helena is dead. Currently, Heather is locked up in jail. I think the product of two evil individuals, Ryan and Heather, Esme is the next big villain of poor trials. And she's got that bloodline. She's got that yeah. thing. I mean, she didn't grow up with them like some of the others did, you know, and, and, you know, like we were trying to say earlier, bloodline doesn't determine who you are, but, mm-hmm. you know, she did interact with them. And I just think poor Charles needs another good villain. Like, some of these big character villains are no longer on the canvas anymore. So why not be the product of two really crazy people? <laughs> why not it be her? <laughs> so that's the end of my synopsis of why I think she has amnesia. I like that there are some breadcrumbs that you have. It could go either way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what they can reference is mm-hmm. the things that you've said. Yeah. I don't know. The stuff with Spencer lately. I just, I feel like that's, I mean, my daughter was six months old when my ex and I separated mm-hmm. and I didn't date for a long time. Mm -hmm. So I was just like lonely, Mm -hmm. you know, and after the kid goes to bed, you're like, there's no one else here. Yeah. You know? So I feel like that's where she is with the, okay, let's go to the park. Oh, you, you want to come to with us and Mm -hmm. you're saying that we should go to the pool. That's how I'm taking that is he wants to be part of the brother, Mm -hmm. like being the brother, but is she trying to force the relationship? Yeah. No. Is she going back to the way that she met Spencer. Right. And, and manipulating him. Yeah. And it's interesting because these last few, um, this last week of episodes, I don't think it was just this week. I think it was the week before too. They, they, there was a couple scenes with them and it actually made me question, is my theory still valid or not? Because when she goes to see Heather, right. I, I lean on the fence for this because she goes to see Heather And she's not asking Heather about who she is as an individual, like how her and Ryan, I don't recall her really asking how her and Ryan met or any of that history. Her first question is, why did you give me up? 
And yeah. I'm trying to, I'm trying to imagine if I did not remember who I was, right? Like, would that be the question I would ask? Why did you give me up? Because to me, it leads up, it goes back to her wanting to know who her mother was at all costs mm-hmm. and feeling, you know, abandoned by her biological parents because they gave her up, right? Mm-hmm. So if that's her first question, it, 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 I kind of shell the fence because then she calls Spencer. I was like wanting to talk about this and ask questions and all that kind of stuff, which almost leads me to believe because she want, I think she wanted to ask about Maggie, wasn't it? Or something like that. Or her, That's her, what uh, happened to her adoptive parents. You're right. Yeah. So if she didn't have amnesia, she remembered everything. Why would she be going, calling Spencer at that point to ask about her adoptive parents? Right. She yeah. has that history. She doesn't have to ask him that. Mm-hmm. Right. So if that's she what doesn't I, remember then she does. Right. Exactly. Right. 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 So, so that mm. was one point where I was like, eh, okay, you're getting me, GH, you're getting me. Right. And then, <laughs> and then, um, like you were saying in the most like recent ones, she's, I, I feel like she wants like a companionship, you know, and it may lead like wanting to lead to a romantic relationship with Spencer. And she's using ACE to get to that, like, mm-hmm. because she knows that he's there only for the baby, essentially. Right. So, but the 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 verbiage she's using when she's talking to Ace right now leads me to believe that she doesn't remember the past. Like mm-hmm. she she doesn't remember that. It just because it could be how they're writing the story or or how she's portraying it or the words that are being used. But um yeah, so you know, like I said, these are my points of like, nope, she's she's definitely faking and and then these last few episodes, I'm questioning it. And I still think that I, I could still say, well, the writers don't know. Yeah. That's very likely, you <laughs> right. know, I mean, that's, we've seen how many storylines go like the hook could have mm-hmm. been so much better than it was, mm. you know, and was that they just didn't know where the end game was going to be. And they knew that they wanted to bring Heather in somehow. And mm-hmm. that's what happened, mm-hmm. you know, or. Oh, what if Maggie was Heather's sister? I don't know. I don't know where that just popped in. Um, no, because you feel like Esme would have said, yeah. oh, you look like Maggie. Um, I don't know. Because maybe she at least is having the same gut instincts, I guess, come up with some mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. That maybe she's like, oh, this is what my, this is how I think it should go. Right. Like my yeah. natural instinct is to do right. this, yeah. react this way to, yeah. to whatever. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. No, I think that that's where it is like somewhere in the middle because I don't, whenever she told Spencer that she never cared about him and that there was no feelings there. I don't believe all of that. I think mm-hmm. that she fell for him, but she doesn't want to admit that she was being vulnerable because she was mm-hmm. supposed to be acting out this plan. Mm-hmm. And so I think, you know, like with first loves, there's always that remembrance of them, even mm-hmm. if you're not around them. And I think yeah. that that's what she's saying when she's around Spencer is mm-hmm. that she yeah. knows, she knows that she cared about him and mm-hmm. that's where the jealousy is coming from. So mm-hmm. I think that she doesn't remember the specifics of everything, but that there's definitely parts that she remembers more than she's letting on to. And she's pulling back because she doesn't want people to know that she's guilty of the things that she mm-hmm. was guilty of. She wants everyone to think she's a new person. So almost like a subconscious remembrance of her 
right. whatever feelings she had when like they were in a relationship back in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, that's valid, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, cause you know, some of my points was my bullet points was like talking about whether or not she, she had feelings for Spencer or not when, you know, when she first came to town or whatever like that. I mean, I think on some level you have to have some type of feelings for someone, right. To be mm-hmm. in that kind of situation for so long, but I don't think it was her priority. It was like, I hate to use it almost like a bonus. You know what I mean? <laughs> like yeah. she knew she was wanting to do this. She knew why she was going to port, uh, to the boarding school. She knew what her like game plan was per se and the what she, she was tasked to do and why they were coming to uh, port charles but it was almost a bonus that like okay yeah i like this guy you know yeah to some level i like him but i'm still gonna do this i'm still yeah, gonna right. bleed him you know kind of thing anyways i don't know it's so good but i'm very curious yeah. to see what these new well because wasn't it i had read somewhere that the old script the scripts from the original writers has ended yeah, we were, we were just we'll talking talk about, all about that. it tomorrow. Well, we <laughs> oh, gotcha. About gotcha. Um, because there was an article that we read that it was okay. So, are they actually on the new scripts yet, or are they in the process of writing the new scripts? Because one of the writers said my last episode was the 20th, yeah, or something like that. So, it's like, okay, was that everybody's, or mm-hmm. I mean, we don't know how they write necessarily. So, right. was it she wrote up until this point? And then, right. you know, we still might have a couple weeks of the rest of the original writers. That's how I was taking it. The way that the article said it, I think they meant that the new writers are in now writing, but we won't see that material until like the middle of September. Because that, wow. yeah, that's what the article said was we won't, but I, I saw the same thing as you. And I think you said that you did as well, yeah. that Tuesday mm-hmm. was supposed to be the new episodes with the new writers. And it and did yeah. feel like that because it felt totally different. The, they moved stuff along so much faster. And why would they start Lulu, Carly getting Kelly's with the current writers knowing that they were preparing to go on strike? Right. Because they said that they stockpiled quickly or mm-hmm. not quickly, but they knew that there was a good chance that they were going to be going on strike. So they did overtime mm-hmm. work, yeah. which just goes to show like how much they really care about their job right. that they yeah. tried to make sure it lasted as long as it could. I'm sure that they weren't expecting to still be on strike almost what? two months later yeah made a june june july july august for so three months um but bobby hadn't passed away yet no so they didn't know that that was going to be happening Mm-mm. yeah and or jackie hadn't passed away sorry yeah, but yeah, i mean yeah, like no, they, yeah. did, they didn't know that they were actually going to be doing that storyline right it makes sense, read, sorry I'll, it makes sense they they seem to have known that Jackie was sick. And so they mm-hmm. were pulling her back some. So mm-hmm. it would make sense that these scripts now say like this week when um, Carly says, Oh, grandma's away getting mm-hmm. Luke stuff together, that that was already written just because they were pulling Bobby back right. because of her health issues. Cause I think right, we all agreed that-, that like the nurse's ball was pretty much Jackie's right. farewell. Like yeah. that's yeah. what that felt like. Yeah. When you look at it now, it definitely feels Shut that up. way. Don't stress <laughs> Hey, no, I am a totally an emotional wreck too. Sometimes like that, I cried at the drop of a hat myself. It, but it does feel like it was her farewell and like her last hurrah. When you look back at it, maybe it wasn't necessarily technically what they thought at the time, but they were trying to put her in the forefront because they were uncertain about her health, you know? Right. Yeah. But I did read somewhere that Laura Wright, because they were asking, like uh, people were asking Laura Wright about 
um, well, is this because, you know, Jackie Zeman had passed, like her getting um, Kelly's and all that kind of stuff. And she said, no, that they had already written that that was going to happen, but it could be because of health issues or, you know, right. Yeah. The storyline they had created and Carly needs something to do other than sit in her house. You know what I mean? Right, yeah. So um, it could have been a combination of things, but it wasn't specifically according to what she right. said. You yeah. Know? It was probably to make sure that it was already established. Mm-hmm. And I mean, like you just said that they made sure that Carly had something to do. She doesn't already know how to run a restaurant. Right. So, and it's the family business. So, I mean, it makes sense. Bobby got it from Ruby right? yeah. or from Luke. Luke yeah. got it from Ruby. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, that's mm-hmm. Joss did not seem so excited that that is her future, that she will one day inherit <laughs> it. So um, maybe so- we can just give that to someone else because. <laughs> Josh is not, Joss is not my favorite character. To me, if I had a friend like uh, Joss, I wouldn't need an enemy. Like, so we'll just leave it at that. She, she drives me to that. Donna. Yes, let's let Donna have it. There you go. Donna can have it. Donna yeah. and Avery. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. There you go. They'll, there you go. They yeah. can have it. Yeah. So I guess my just uh, question to you is like, what are, I, I know I'm more on the fence that she is like, uh, you know, has amnesia, but I'm curious what your guys' thoughts are, you know? I mean, that she doesn't have amnesia. amnesia. So I never thought that she was faking until you pointed out some really good things that it mm. would be, it would be believable if they come out and say she was, mm-hmm. cause I hadn't picked up on a lot of that stuff that interesting, especially when she came out of the water and just stood there and stared, you know, but could it have been shock? Cause that's the thing. They can yeah. explain that away right. yeah. or they can say, no, she was surprised to see them almost kiss and mm-hmm. just didn't react. Mm-hmm. And she didn't have amnesia. So like that really could be either way. Right. And it could be, so when, and it could be the lead up too of how they're going to uh, share this story, because if she is faking, when she first came to town, we knew something wasn't right with her because of the antics that she did and all that kind of stuff. But I, I feel like we felt that she was there to support Spencer in whatever way shenanigans that he can get into. She was on his side and you know, she was one of those people that you just have an icky feeling about, but you can't put your finger on, you know, but there was yeah. no blatant, like obvious thing that she's um, trying to manipulate everyone. It isn't until later on in the storyline where she sees Spencer pulling away from her and getting more involved in Trina with Trina. She sees um, him getting more involved with Joss and Cam and them trying to pull him away from her that you you see the more manipulation that she's attempting to do right obviously the revenge porn situation and all that but you see the evilness i mean her drugging trina you see her manipulation of spencer when he gets out of spring ridge and she's faking the pregnancy she walks out that door and she gets a smirk on her face when she knows she's got him by the hook at this point you know what i mean she's got him on the edge that he's going to now try and figure out whatever that is that they've got this, you know, fake pregnancy kind of thing going on. You see her reactions to her manipulations at that point. And so my point to that is right now, they're not showing that, you know, they're seeing her converse with Spencer a little bit. They're seeing her comment, um, you know, talking to the baby, but they're not seeing that next step like they did before. But maybe that's what her gut instinct is, is to manipulate the situation Mm -hmm. and to, so that's kind of what she's doing out of habit mm-hmm. because she's done that so much before is, mm-hmm. but it's when she feels like she's losing her target, mm-hmm. I guess. Mm-hmm. But 
So I'm really curious because Heather brought up, you don't know what happened to your adopted yes. parents. Yes. So what was that? When did she reach out to Ryan? Because, you know, she started to go off script with Ryan and everything, but she felt like she was earning his favor mm-hmm. by doing his bidding and everything. Mm-hmm. But then she tends to overcompensate in the wrong way by over manipulating whenever she feels like she's losing her puppets, you know, when she's not getting what she wants, she's for lack of a better phrase, overkilling, you know, even though she hasn't killed anyone. Yes, she did. Oz. Oh yeah. She killed Oz. That's right. Oh yeah. That's right. Um, So she's willing to go there. She's willing to go there. Right. Right. But I, I still don't think it's okay, but maybe that's, (laughs) well, it's, Is she, is that her reaction because she thinks that's who she's supposed to be and she just doesn't know how to control those emotions. Mm -hmm. And she's like, oh, I'm feeling jealous. Therefore I should kill someone or Mm -hmm. I should hurt someone or I should fake a pregnancy or maybe she drugged Nicholas too. Maybe that's why he was okay after half a glass of bourbon. Right. Yeah, that whole thing was really weird. I mean, she was definitely trying to manipulate him and all that kind of stuff. I feel like the things that she was doing could kind of be like seen through. Like he should have caught on, you know, as someone who has a lot more experience than her in life in any and every way of life than she does. Right. He he should have seen through that. But I've been manipulated by women before. So, I mean, it's not like he's never been taken advantage of. Right. and you would think that that would be a learning lesson, right? A learning like, Hey, I recognize this behavior, you know, kind of thing that I don't want that to happen again. He learned at her age by sleeping with his uncle's fiance, who then faked her pregnancy of his child, what that woman, what that girl was doing. And I don't yeah. think there's really an age that you learn that you shouldn't sleep with your son's girlfriend. That's no, just I agree. Like ingrained no, no, in no, your no, brain. No. I, I, know. Yeah. I was saying like he was her age when he, Mm-hmm. Catherine yes. and an adult did that to him. Yes. Yes. Right. So right. he learned very, very early on this woman is going to do this to control mm-hmm. me. Right. Mm-hmm. He didn't see that. I mean, right. Courtney didn't do that to him. No. Gia didn't do that to him. God only knows what the heck he and Liz were doing. But Ava did. Mm. How did Ava? I just feel like they, Ava. They were locked away together and they bonded. She still got everything that she wanted. I think they both manipulated each other. After he yeah. cheated on her, after he cheated on her, she got what she wanted. Yes. I'm pretty I, sure she would have preferred her husband hadn't cheated on her. That's just my <laughs> gut feeling. Yeah. Well, I think, I think they both walked into, Ava and Nicholas both walked into that relationship trying to manipulate each other and, and gain like power over each other. And, and, you know, we're using each other. It developed into whatever type of love that they had for each other, you know, and there was, I think there was a line that, um, Ryan, not Ryan, uh, Kevin used about how like Ava was like his drug. Like he was just, you know, he would literally do anything for him, for her. And if that meant estranging himself from his son, that was fine. Yeah. Yeah. He was willing to give that up in my opinion. So anyways, but yeah, that whole situation was just crazy. And I again, I think they just wrote him over the last two years to be dumb. Why hasn't Kevin hypnotized Esme? Yeah. And why hasn't, yeah, why hasn't he been more involved in like interacting with her to kind of like interpret what's going on with her, you know? Right. 
even if it's the guise of Laura's husband and he's living at his house and they're there, you sure. know, because he witnessed he he wasn't uh, giving her therapy or whatever when she was Nicholas or sorry, Spencer's boyfriend or girlfriend, essentially. Right. And right. when they were, you know, before the amnesia, before all that stuff, but he could see her manipulations and he right. on some level tried to warn certain people. But I felt like why aren't you voicing this a little more with Laura and other people, not necessarily Spencer, because like you said before, you know, you're trying to give that illusion of acceptance on some level, right. But like to Laura, to Nicholas, to some of these other people that are adults that are in that world, why isn't he saying like, uh, she's a little, someone we need to watch out for. Yeah. You know? She's reminding me of a young Ryan. Right. <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. She <laughs> is. Yeah. Or even after that came out and he found out that she was his niece, why didn't they have that conversation of true? So, um, your whole family is not that way. Right. You know, here's, here's your dad's story though. Mm -hmm. I mean, Ryan was abused and that still does not always produce Ryan, but, but he could have really given her some backstory as to what Mm -hmm. happened in Ryan's life to make, to quote, make him the way that he is, you know, that led him to make the choices that he made or that influenced the choices that he made, I guess. Right. Um, Because because even if Martin was like, well, you can't like, you can't uh, give her therapy or or whatever reason, right. When he was, you know, involved enough, you know, that's a conflict. Yeah. Right. But he could have said, I'm her uncle. I can still give her information about her family. If she truly doesn't know, I can give her information about her family as her uncle. I'm not going to give her any kind of um, therapy or anything like that. I'm here on a personal level, not on a uh, professional level, you know? Right. It still would have resulted in something, you know? And I agree. Why was he excluded from all of that? That seems weird. Yeah. And then not that he he does not get in Laura's way. I don't feel like it's, especially where Valentine's there. Mm-hmm. And I think that that would have just been more peace of mind for him, but also because Valentine's familiar, obviously with the Cassidyne mm-hmm. family, but I don't feel like Kevin would have found it necessary to go with his wife no. to stay, you know, he probably would have said, you know what, I'm going to stay behind in Port Charles because this is a mentally ill child, mm-hmm. young woman who has it has a newborn mm-hmm. right, who I mean gathers instinct and everything. However, if she really has the amnesia, perhaps she doesn't remember certain things when it although she has educated herself really well. And she's like, nope, no, no, I've read the books. I've right. This, that, mm-hmm. and that, you know, so and that's what kind of makes me feel like she's not because she's really focusing on being a nurturing, loving mother. Yeah. Yeah. Where I don't it's feel valid. like the yeah. old Esme would right and still try to be in that circle. I could see her if she had left. Mm-hmm. And we saw her sidelined, mm-hmm. still not amnesia, right. but Out trying to take care of the baby. Yeah. Then maybe. Yeah. She wants to be a better mother than Heather was. Right. But I don't think she would put herself in, in the vicinity of everyone else for that to be like, for it, that's a real good opportunity for her to slip up. If, if I see what you're saying. She, I'm like, I'm like, not explaining it really well, but like you go. Yeah. By her, if she's trying, if she's faking her amnesia by putting herself directly in constant interaction with Laura, with Spencer, with his friends, with Nicholas at the time, it's a good opportunity for her to slip up. And they're the pretense she has amnesia and she's trying to be this, pretend to be this good mother. If she were to 
extricate yourself from that stuff, you know, and be on the periphery of them and give them access to the baby when he's born or thing, but she's not living with them. She's not daily interacting with them. It's easier for her to fake amnesia than it, than not per se. Right. Like she is with them 24 seven, basically. And that's a lot of, I can only imagine that's a lot of work if she is faking. Right. I mean, that's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that until (laughs) (laughs) that's why I love these conversations, but yeah. I mean, there's just, there's also just so many holes Yeah, that like Kevin really should be here. You know, it's, it's not realistic that given Laura's 45 years, 40, 45 years, right. That she said she suddenly needs help or yeah. it needs help from Kevin. As much as he's a nice guy, he does not have he's that a nice experience. guy. He's not going to go blowing up anything right. for her. No, it, yeah. It just seems almost like he would be in the way to any things that they would get involved in based on his lack of experience with the things that she's done in her lifetime along that realm. Or did they bring him for the cryptology stuff? Because remember, that's how he and Laura bonded. Yeah, he He and Laura connected over. He was like doing all that cryptology stuff. But he still feel like she could take a picture and send it to him. That's true. Because right now he's just a liability. Like when, when he was, when she was in the house with Valentine trying to figure out where Nicholas was. Right. They said that he was back at the hotel. Right. If there's bad people following you, they could go to the hotel and kidnap your husband. Right. So yeah. you yeah. should all be together. Yeah. 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 It doesn't make sense why he went. They had to give an excuse to get him off the screen for whatever reason, you right. know, and it, it, it bugs me. I like John Lindstrom. He can do so much. Yeah. He, he can do so. There are so many Okay, I've li- I don't know if you guys have you you listen to the Stephen um, Bradford. Bradford yeah Bradford thank you his their podcast right I mean I think I've heard you guys talk that before mm-hmm. um, and I would agree that prior to a few years ago I think people looked down on soap operas and soap opera actors and them right. branching out whatever but there's so many good actors on this show right now mm-hmm. it is unbelievable and the fact that i mean i'm sure from an emotional and maybe political and the rightness of it all they want to be on strike with their their fellow actors right i I get that um but i also could see from their perspective hey this is consistent work you know (laughs) many actors don't have consistent work and i think there's a different perspective now on being on a soap opera actor especially when you have really good writers and storyline you know i wonder Mm -hmm. if so the soap actors can't go on strike girls. They'll right. get fined. Fine. However, yeah. if they are dual. So John Lindstrom also has a production company, I believe. Oh, I didn't know that. Oh, he maybe. does his own films. I wonder if that has anything to do, with anything it. to do with like, would he, could he, I'm not going to Google that. I'm just going to Google <laughs> that. I'm not looking up all that, but he does. He has his, she'll um, look it up later. I will. Yeah, Next I, week, yeah. She'll talk about it. I'll have my answer then. But I mean, that's, that's he's true. Actor, he's an actor, director, and screenwriter. So, so he's part of that. If, if he doesn't have a writer's ongo- guild. Right. Like, and is he, I don't know if he's contract or reoccurring status. Does that matter? Like right. with this right. whole uh, strike stuff and everything like that, does that matter? I don't know. I don't know. It's interesting. But I think they just have so many good actors. Maura West, she's amazing. She's phenomenal. Yes. You know? Um, yes. obviously Jeannie and Mar- uh, uh, Maurice Bernard and, you know, some of these other ones, but they have some really good upcoming actors too. Like, I think, I mean, again, I mentioned earlier that 
I didn't watch the prior Nicholas who played Spencer. I think it's ironic they found another Nicholas to play right. Spencer. But anyways, um, I didn't watch him. And I don't I went back, I went back to watch the storyline from the beginning because I kind of jumped back into GH in the mid, early middle time frame. So mm -hmm. I didn't see his first scenes on screen with uh the prior Trina. And mm -hmm. when you go back and watch those, I was like, well, they're they're pretty stiff. They're the writing that they the words they gave him to speak were were very juvenile, very um cheap, I thought, you know. And I was like, oh no, come on, kid, let's let's make it work, you know. But he has developed as an actor, and I think he has taken this character so far and the nuance of his style of acting and the the emotions that he can exude and everything like that have just been phenomenal mm -hmm. and the amount of people like legends that he's been able to work with on this show in his first stint on like the soap opera world is yeah. crazy so crazy none of some of these actors never got to work with these people you know and they've been on the show for five six ten years you know mm -hmm. they never really get to work with them so it's great but I just, you know, in, in lieu of all this, the strikes going on, I hope that more people are drawn to the soap world, you know, so that it doesn't, it, it doesn't go away. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Here's hoping. Yeah. Here's hoping. Yeah. So yeah, it's crazy. What others, uh, you were talking earlier about the, uh, Portia and her like distaste for Spencer. You mentioned that. Yeah. What are you guys thinking about that storyline along coupled with like the Curtis kind of thing going on? I think Portia needs to focus on her husband and forget about the fact that not forget about it, but I mean, she's already expressed her concerns with Trina and Spencer has spoken to Portia. Like there's not a converse, there's no hidden conversations. There's nothing that has not already been talked about. How about we let Curtis, you know, she needs to focus on that and stop yeah. trying to meddle with her. Daughter. No, I, I disagree. She needs to focus more on Taggart to make sure that his drinking problem doesn't get out of control and leave Curtis alone because he doesn't want her help right now. He needs to okay, get so over we both the fact. agree that she needs to leave Trina. Oh, she definitely That's, needs to leave okay. Trina alone, but she needs to Taggart leave. Taggart was not an option. She needs to leave Curtis alone because he needs time to process the fact yes. that he hid, that she hid his daughter from him for the past 20 years. And mm -hmm. Taggart also needs to process that, but I feel like she would be better serving him to talk through it with him and make sure that his alcohol issues do not turn into a serious problem again. Right. Yeah. She should have been in the room while Finn and Curtis were talking. And then that would have been like a light bulb. <gasps> Marcus has an alcohol problem. <laughs> May, yeah. And then that would have gone. She only asked about Trina and Curtis. She did not ask about that. I've just thrown Taggart <laughs> in there. He belongs no, in there. I forgot no, about no. that scene. I forgot that scene where he's oh. pouring the flask, you know, into that cup cup. And it was yeah. so heart-wrenching. Like it's heart-wrenching to see where he was and this whole like paternity situation and his feelings toward it and all that kind of stuff. You know, I really hope you were talking earlier about how it seemed like the potentially the new writers and the some of these this last week we might be seeing their work and how it's potentially moved things along maybe quicker. I'm mm -hmm. very curious to see how they're going to write Trina because I always felt that she was a confident, um, self-assured, kind person 
she spoke her mind and, and not in a negative way. She might've been blunt, right. but she was coming out of a pure heart of like, this is, mm-hmm. this is who I am. This is my expectations of you as my friend, my family, romantic partner, whatever right. it may be. Right. And I feel like they, since they've gotten back from Greenland and the whole ACE thing has come to like forefront, they've almost made her like quiet Mm-hmm. And I don't feel like that's Trina at all. I don't feel like, I mean, I think she would try and give Spencer a, you know, leeway to figure things out, but there have been times I felt like he's asked for her opinion and she's just backed away. And yeah. I don't think that's her at all. I think mm-hmm. she would kind of give her opinion when he's asked for it and try to be supportive and, and whatnot. And I don't know. I just, it seems odd to me that they're not communicating because I feel like that was their strong point, even through everything, through the porn thing, through the, the trial, through their not being friends, through the Greenland thing, all that stuff, their, their strength was their ability to communicate with each other and be like honest. And I don't feel like that's what they're doing right now. Or at least have her having the conversation with Joss saying, my mom was talking to me about this and this. So like, I'm not trying to meddle in Spencer Ace, mm-hmm. right. you know, like I'm Show trying to let them, you know, like, right, right, right. I honestly think that all of this stuff is enough to break her. Um, maybe not permanently, but make her really question why have I bothered being such a good person? Because all this bad stuff is happening all around me. And, right. you know, can you actually trust anyone that's around you? Yeah. You know, cause I mean, now she's pretty much lost the trust of everyone, but Taggart. Mm-hmm. Cause like she told Curtis, He's the only one that ever kept his vows. Yeah. Yeah. That we know of too. And I find, you know, to go back to Portia and and like kind of stepping away out of Trina's relationship, you want up to this point, like Spencer is her like support system, right? Mm -hmm. Her, she doesn't have a good relationship with her mother right now. She's trying to figure out what's going on with her stepfather. And like, and now he's in this situation, right? Her, her, um, Taggart, her dad, she's like, their, their relationship is strained because they're both feeling it. They've admitted like this whole situation has strained their relationship. Like Joss, to be honest, is not a good friend. She's off being mesmerized by Dex for un- some unexplicable reason. And after she cheated on the girl, after- the guy that Trina said, I think I like Cam and Joss goes, oh no, no, I do. Yeah. Swoops in, yeah. takes him and then cheats on him the second that some other guy with a six pack comes by. Right, right. And so Spencer is her support system. And I think he was, you know, I mean, I think they developed it, but they really cemented it right before the Greenland thing. And then through the Greenland thing and then through the paternity thing, like, and so now her mother's like, nope, you don't need that. Like, I just find that really, really uh, like disgusting behavior, essentially. Like, you know, like this is crazy anyways. Yeah. And I, I wonder if they're going to bring William Lipton back. Cause I had heard rumors that Cam was coming or that he was coming back to the show during the summer break, but with the writer strike and everything like that, I wonder if they've developed any of that storyline. Right. Yeah. I yeah. don't know. I really want him to come back. And summer's almost over. So yeah. yeah, probably not. Yeah. I really wanted to come him to come back anyways. I'm sure he'll be back at some point. Just yeah. Yeah. You know, the writer strike to be over. Yeah. I really wanted him to come back this summer and kind of give Joss like her come up ins essentially, you know, because up until now, she still truly hasn't told Trina. This is what bugs me about Joss. I'm sorry. I'm totally going off on a jam- tangent, but this truly bugs me about Joss. 
from the beginning, she always dumped on Spencer for lying, his like manipulations, his entitlement, his wealthy, like, you know, threw around and all this kind of stuff. Yep. I feel like she's kind of cut from the same cloth, even though she doesn't recognize it. Trina needs to give her a mirror. Yeah. And I was re in, I was re-watching early episodes of this um of of this whole like storyline. And Joss does not know how to shut her mouth when it's when it's needed. And um, there, there's one point in the story where I think Esme truly, she's had this conversation with Laura. She, Laura's basically called her out and like, you're not going to build relationship with people if you keep acting this way or whatever. And I think tr- uh, truly Esme had this light bulb. Okay. This is not working for me. I need to build these relationships with Trina and Joss. I need to go apologize and all this kind of stuff. Right now, granted, she had already videotaped them, but I don't think she was actively willing to put it out in the world yet. She goes to apologize. Trina's willing to, um, Trina's willing to accept her apology at face value. Joss will not. And at that point, Joss antagonizes, antagonizes, um, Esme and basically throws Trina under the bus by sharing the fact that Spencer got her this like Valentine's gift, you know, and all this kind of stuff. Doesn't keep it a secret. Doesn't respect Trina's boundaries in any way, shape or form. And then later, and then later on, um, when Trina's basically mad at her, Josh is like, well, Josh's like, I'm sorry you're mad at me, but I'm I'm not sorry that I did this. Again, ignoring her feelings, ignoring any of that. She's not a good friend at all. And so whole, Trina needs to hold up a mirror to this girl all the time. So I didn't think about the fact that it is actually all Josh's fault that all that came out because she shared Trina's information. Yep. Yeah. She yeah. completely shared Trina's information. And I think, I think Esme would have kept it and possibly used it in the future, but I don't know if she would have blamed Trina for it. I think the way that, yes, she was jealous of Trina and she wanted that, you know, to break up that bond between Trina and Spencer. Absolutely. But I think she would have used it in a way to hurt Joss mm-hmm. more than Trina. Yeah. But it was a way to hurt Joss was to get at Trina. And that was just twofold for her. You know what I mean? But it was Joss's continual antagonizing of Esme that I think pushed her over the edge. Yeah. And then coupled the fact that she kept saying, I want everyone to be honest. You need to know the truth and all that. And then, you know, months down the road, she's cheating on this guy who she says is her good friend and not willing to come to tell the truth. And to this day, she still has not told the actual truth of when and how things happened. Mm-mm. Yeah. She drives me nuts anyways. Because <laughs> it makes her look bad. Yeah. 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 She's a highlight real person. Yeah. And that's, you know, like, um, so I listened to another YouTuber does like small recaps of the show and he cannot stand uh, Dex and Joss at all. He doesn't like it. And he's brought up points that I've like thought back and I think are completely valid. And he says their entire relationship is a joke because Joss they all they ever in the beginning of the relationship. Yeah. Maybe there was like this physical attraction and they hadn't done anything yet, but Josh didn't like him because he was part of Sonny's world. And she mm-hmm. was revolting against Sonny's world at that point. Mm-hmm. Then all of a sudden she sees him in a different light for good reasons. He helped rescue Ava, you know, he, in a, I think a couple other things, but she saw them potentially different light, right? He helped her find a bracelet in a garbage. True, 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 true. <laughs> That's um, not enough for me to fall. No, on no, no, absolutely. But for whatever reason, and there's a physical attraction, I'm sure. But all they ever talked about was Sunny. Sunny, her her negative feelings for Sunny, his involvement with Sunny's life, 
everything was always about Sunny. It was like, you don't even know who this guy is. You don't know who his family are. You don't know. Now you know why he's in town, but it was in for like shady reasons, you know, all this stuff. So all they really have is this physical relationship. There's no substance to the relationship Mm -hmm. and they keep pushing them forward. And I'm just like, they're boring. They're boring, boring, boring. Coupled with the fact that I'm really annoyed how she did cam dirty. Like it just is like, I just don't like them. I am right there with you. (laughs) (laughs) I fast forward through them all the time. Yeah. And I don't fast forward through the show. Like, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And I fast forward through them and I fast forward through when Carly and Drew are going at it. I'm just like, I don't need this. Did Cameron Matheson leave the show? Do you know? I don't think so. No, they're boring. He was just on the other day with Cyrus. I'm sorry. I meant like, is his contract up and they're kind of, I don't know. I don't know either. I don't know. Yeah. They're boring too. I don't like them. I, Car- I have to say Carly's not my favorite character any- either way. And then he's boring. His character is boring. So she's just annoying mm-hmm. me lately. Like I'm over the, I'm done so great so far. No, you haven't. Yeah. Carly <laughs> has everything because she married someone else. And it drives me nuts. They're trying to rewrite that history. Yeah. I wish they would bring back some of the female friendships. Um, like I feel like the show does really well at, promoting male friendships, but not female friendships. Like I remember the days of like Liz and Robin and Emily and Lainey mm-hmm. and they were all interacted. They all had their sometimes some had better stories or bigger stories than others, but they were all friends. They supported each other. They were involved in each other's lives. We don't see that now. We just see women pitted against each other. And it, it drives me nuts. I don't, I see like like Liz and Portia and they're like, hi, bestie. And it's like, when, when did that happen? When did Sam and Maxie become best friends? I don't know. Right. Oh, we did do a recap that we did a four one one that we were like, oh, that's when they became friends. But to the point where they're like best friends. Because Maxie helped Jason plan the um, proposal. Yeah. But there was a reason why, because they were at least friendly, Mm -hmm. but not friend friends. Yeah. Friends. Not to the point where that's my best. No, Lulu is Maxie's best friend. Yeah. Well, I've said this. I think Lulu is Maxie's best friend, but I think Maxie could be Sam's best friend, at least back in the day, Mm -hmm. because she had no friends. And so who did she have? She had Maxie when Maxie was with Spinelli and in that world, that's who she had. She wasn't friends with Carly. Like they're rewriting that history. She wasn't friends with Liz. She, you know, she had her sisters, but they were younger. So who did she have? Really? She had Maxie. So I could see where Maxie is Sam's best friend, but it's not reciprocal, you know? So yeah. 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 Anyways, that's such a great show. It's such a great show. <laughs> it has to stay. Yeah. I know. I know. I know. Well, we've been talking for almost two hours now. Oh, seriously? <laughs> <laughs> This was so great though. Thank you so much for writing in that. I'm glad that I didn't read it ahead of time, right? Okay. Because it was so much better listening to you share. Yeah. Well, thank you for allowing me to share my thoughts and feelings. And this was fun. Um, again, I love your guys' podcast. It's great. Yeah. I just, I, I, I just love hearing your guys' thoughts and feelings. And, you know, you bring some of the history to the show that I kind of like, as I was saying, I was missed out on, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah. Yeah. So we try because <laughs> there's a lot. I mean, we weren't either alive for, or we were babies mm-hmm. and they're referencing it. And we're like, what are you talking about? And, mm-hmm. you know, we go back and it was just amazing. So, yeah. Well, and it's crazy. Like they, they're referencing characters that they 
haven't talked about in a while. Like they just showed Lulu after three years of being in a coma. Right. right. Like that's so out of the blue. So anyways, yeah. it's interesting how they're doing that now. Yep. Yeah. Anyways. It's going to be good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks again. I appreciate yeah. it. We'll have to do this again sometime. Yeah. 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 All right. Take care, ladies. All right. You too. Thank you so much. Bye. 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 So up until now, I don't think that I ever once really thought that Esme could be faking. I loved that as she's giving the information, she's like waiting for your feedback. And you're like, no, no, I'm just taking it all in because I had not seen this or part of it. Like I seen it through those eyes. Yeah. yeah. That's why I love this. That's why I love talking to you. Cause it's like, I don't think how I watched it. Right. Right. Exactly. And then by the end of it, she was like, but then I have to doubt myself because this, this, and this. And we're like, yes, that's why we doubt it sometimes right. too. So I can't wait to see how it plays out when they finally reveal, is she faking? Is she not faking? Is it kind of middle of the road where I'm still at or where it is? But yeah, I just loved it. That was, that was more than a deep dive, man. She was committed to giving I every I like that reason. we had facts. We cited specific situations. <laughs> we had, I loved the research right. in it. Yeah. I loved the dissertation. Thank you. It was, it was beautifully done. It was. And I just feel bad we didn't get a whole lot of time to talk about other things because we do try to. I feel like that's okay. She's yeah. committed. We're going to, to have to do it again. Yes, 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 yes. So oh, I am looking forward to this, but at the same time, I'm scared with our current situation. Who's going to write it? Uh, how's it going to finish? And are we right? And maybe they don't even know. Right. Or is it just going to be decided to end the storyline? Uh, I hope not. I Similar hope to not. how things happened no. after the COVID shutdown, they just ended no. Nail and Dustin because they just had to no. do some cleaning out, you know? I refuse. I would not be happy about it either. <laughs> it has to end better than the hook. Yeah. Please. We need more information about her adoptive parents. Mm-hmm. I wonder if that could be what breaks her. Oh, I wonder yeah. if that could be what brings her out of the... Um, I want... Maggie to have a role in that though. I wish I had thought about that while we were talking. There has to be a letter, a conversation, a something. Yeah. I don't know. It's going to be interesting though. Yeah. So yeah. If you have a topic that you would just like to discuss in depth, absolutely let us know. Well, I guess that one time we did talk about the Carly Nina thing, but then we wound up talking. That was a very short, it wasn't short, but it was not. Yeah. We did not go in. We knew that this was basically going to be really the only thing that we were talking about today right. was Esme. Yes. So yeah, if you have something similar, let us know. We will figure this out if it has to become a different type of segment that we do. But for right now, it's going to stay a fan spotlight. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so join us on Monday. Let's see if anything's moved along either way in the Esme Amnesia storyline. So have a good weekend. And we'll meet at the pier. Bye. Bye. If you enjoyed today's show, we invite you to go to pier54podcast.com to subscribe on your favorite platform. Don't forget to leave us a review. And you can also follow us on many social media channels. Just search for Peer 54 Podcast. Also, we are not perfect. So if there is something that we missed or messed up, just let us know by emailing us at peer54podcast at gmail.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more 
and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.